this morning in our sermon series on the book of Deuteronomy. We're taking a leap over several chapters and nearing the end of the scripture. Again, uh, this entire book of Deuteronomy is essentially one sermon from Moses given to God's people as they are about to enter into the promised land and inhabit it after 40 years wandering in the desert. Moses has been told by God that Moses himself won't be crossing into the land with the people. His days are over. So Moses is doing his best to give people guidance on what it's going to look like to have to live a good life and very importantly how to structure a whole society in order that it cares for all people especially the vulnerable with our text this morning Moses is mostly done explaining and says to God's people essentially what happens from here on out is your choice. So combining, combining Moses' words with those of Jesus in the gospel passage and Paul in our New Testament passage reminds us that we face our own choices that impact our lives and our society. We face choices daily that lead either to life, blessing, and growth, or to death, cursing, and destruction. And that to hold fast to life is to love God and love others. Moses begins this part of his message with a statement that is both good news and bad news at the very same time. His opening comment, verse 11, is this. Now, what I am commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. This is great news in the sense that what God wants is doable. Moses explains, it's not up in heaven that you have to ask who's going to go up and, and figure it out and come down and Tell us what it is so that we can hear it and obey it. Verse 13, nor is it beyond the sea so that you have to ask who's going to venture out there beyond our comprehension and figure out what it is and then come back and share it with us so that we can understand it and do it. From Moses' perspective, God's people don't have to search out God's wisdom because Moses has just spent 29 chapters telling them, often with excruciating detail, what it is. From our perspective as followers of Christ, Moses' words have been further fleshed out literally in the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. Jesus lived the fullness of the life that God desires for all human beings. 
his teachings and the actions of his life all the way through his death on the cross reveal in human form what it means to love God with all your heart, your mind, your power, and to love others as yourself or as you would be loved. Christ came down from heaven. That's part of the reason why we don't have to ask who's going to go up. Christ came down. Jesus came from heaven to reveal and to be the way, the truth, the life. But here, even before Christ, Moses says, you know what you need to know to do this. That's great news in that it's no big mystery figuring out these things. The bad news is that because of that, we have no excuse if we don't follow God's ways. And the consequences of our choices are very clear. See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. Those are your two choices. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, walk in God's ways, keep God's commands, decrees, laws. Then you will live and increase, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you are not obedient, and if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. Now, this morning, I think it is most vital for us to hear the positive affirmations of Moses. Again, what I am commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. Verse 14, no, the word the whole understanding of it is, is the, the he, behind the Hebrew understanding of word. The word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you may obey it. And Paul, in that writing from our New Testament reading, confirms these words of Moses and even deepens that interior connection to our souls. Christ is the culmination, the fullness of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes in and, and follows Christ. Moses describes the law in, in the ways that this righteousness is available to you. It is by doing these things, you will live by them. But the righteousness by faith says, the word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we are proclaiming, that you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And in that you will be saved. For it is with your heart you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you proclaim these things. Moses reveals for us that our primary choice that leads to life is choosing to love God. 
Verse 16, for I command you today to love the Lord your God. That's what he leads with. Then it's to walk in God's ways and keep God's commands. But it's to love the Lord your God. Continuing in 19, this day I call on heaven and earth as witnesses, not just against you, but as witnesses to what I'm declaring, that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Choose life so that it may go well with you and your children, that you may love the Lord your God. Listen to God's voice and hold fast to God, for God is your life. Loving God, holding fast to God, is life. And Jesus himself speaks of that connection between loving him and holding fast to him and being a holding fast to life itself. I am the vine, the true vine, and you are branches. If you stay connected with me, dwell with me and in me, and I dwell in you and you allow me to dwell in you, then you'll flourish and grow and there will be fruit. Otherwise, eh, you wither and aren't good for anything. Every day, we make choices in our lives, either for life, for blessing and growth, or for death, cursing, and destruction. Examples are, what will be my first words to my spouse this morning? Will I call my child, call my parent, to see how they are and give them my love? Will I respond to that email, that post, that tweet? And how will I protest? Will I vote? How will I vote? Will I confront my friend, my neighbor, confront my boss about the comment they made? In numerous ways, small and large, every day, we face choices for life, blessing, and growth, or for death, cursing, and destruction. And those decisions add up for our lives and for our communities. Several years ago, an anthropologist, Maggie Paxson, set out to try to understand why a particular area in France has been a place of refuge for vulnerable people for centuries. It's literally a place that has been known for this for centuries. The people of the plateau of Le Chambon, it's a little southwest of Lyon, at the risk of and even at the cost of their own lives have consistently over centuries chosen to love others as they would wish to be loved. In her book entitled The Plateau, Paxson notes this. It's, uh, I have it on uh, Kindle, so I'm <laughs> having to read from my phone. For centuries, 
on and off, the Protestants of the plateau, most but not all of the Reformed Protestant Church, have been subject to bloody persecution. At the same time, over those same centuries, the people of the plateau developed a kind of habit of sheltering vulnerable outsiders from violence, hiding them, feeding them, shuttling them out of the country. They protected Protestants during France's religious wars of the 16th century when Catholics dominated. Then, during the French Revolution and the reign of terror that followed, they protected Catholic priests. In the 19th century, they took in poor children from industrial cities in early versions of fresh air programs, then children from Algeria. Then, during the Spanish Civil War, mothers and children from Spain and political undesirables from all over Europe. During the Second World War, they sheltered Jews, yes, but also all kinds of other refugees from the Nazi occupations. Accustomed to suffering themselves, they sheltered the sufferer. And to this day, part of the other reason why she, she goes to study them and see what's up is because during these years where there have been floods of refugees into Europe, they have consistently taken in refugees from all sorts of parts of the world, even when other parts of France and other parts of Europe were protesting and trying to keep people out. So Paxson spent years studying and sharing life, living with the people of the plateau. Through the story of one young man in particular who died in a Nazi concentration camp because of his decision to ch shelter Jewish children, Paxson reveals her essential question and the answer that she ultimately comes to. At one point in this young man's story, Daniel Trockmay is his name, he had the opportunity to escape capture by the Nazis. But he chose to go to prison with a handful of the young men from the community that the Nazis arrested. And Paxson's question over and over again towards the beginning of this book is, why? She just can't understand. Why did he choose that? Why did he put his own life at risk? After horrific experiences in several different concentration camps, Trockmay eventually died in one in August of 1944. Paxson goes to visit this camp present day, decades later, and the archivist for the museum shows her a postcard that Trockmay had carried in his pocket through all his experiences. It was a postcard from his mother that she had sent to him when he was trying to decide whether or not he was going to even go to work on the plateau in the first place and, and shelter these children. Trockmay's parents knew that it was dangerous and they wanted him to come home. So Paxson writes this about what she came 
to understand. The postcard was written on September 5th, 1942. Daniel took a few days, clearly, to think about all of it, to choose. And then on September 11th, he wrote his response, full of resolve about how the die was now cast, how Le Chambon represented an adventure for him, an almost religious calling, how he wanted to be part of the reconstruction of the world, of life and blessing and growth, and how he didn't want to be ashamed of himself. Paxson says, now I realize. It was not the answer that remained with Daniel, folded in his pocket, this postcard reminding him of his answer for the 17 months until his death. His beautiful reply, after all, had already been sent to the winds long before. It was the question that stayed with him through it all. The plateau, the children, the arrest. Then she names several of the concentration camps that he was in, including Buchenwald. It was the question written lovingly, trustingly, with the words, my darling, and now it is for you to decide. It was the question that stayed with him perhaps all the way to the metal table in front of the ovens. Darling, now it is for you to decide. Where can we look for you soon? That was what his mother had written to him. Paxson realized, I believe, that for Daniel Trachme, for the people of the plateau over centuries, there was no hidden secret in the forests of the plateau, nothing in the, the streams of water that they were drinking from that made these people love God and love others so deeply that they risked their own lives, even gave their own lives. Each person, through all those centuries, had to make choices daily. Life, blessing, growth, or death, cursing, destruction. And person by person, choice by choice, decision by decision, over centuries, they built a community of love, of life, of blessing and growth, especially for the vulnerable of the world. Walter Brueggemann also tells a story about this same community on the plateau of Le Chambon. Years after World War II, a Jewish man who had been kept safe by the community when he was a child returned to visit. Brueggemann writes this, when this man interviewed his protectors about their reason for taking such risky action on his behalf, they only shrugged their shoulders and indicated that it seemed obvious from their faith. They had no dramatic explanations or theological interpretations to offer him. It was rather a, quote, habit of neighborliness that was at the center of their embrace of the gospel. That was enough. 
Brueggemann uses that story to illustrate the affirmation of Moses that we have it within us to live the life that God calls us to live. Our wisdom is not up in heaven or across the sea. Jesus Christ dwells within us. Jesus himself is the way, the truth, the life. When we choose to dwell in him, we have the strength to love others as God wants all people to be loved, especially the vulnerable. When we choose to dwell with Christ, we build a community of life and blessing and growth. We face choices every day. Let us choose every day to hold fast to life, to love God and love others. Because of Christ, we have it within us to do this. Thanks be to God.